Come on, it feels like Sunday morning in here, like God is in the room. It feels like God is in the room and he's ready to do a move on today. So if you are ready to praise God, I dare you to take a moment right now to give him glory. I dare you to take a moment right now to honor our King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God who is with us, who is worthy to be praised. I am thankful and blessed to be in the house of the Lord on today. So I on Facebook and YouTube. We thank you for being diligent and faithful for tuning in and worshiping with us with Hopewell at Home. I know you're wondering who's this man up here with a ponytail up. He's not the bald-headed preacher that usually be up here. We, I give honor to whenever Pastor Swims is called away to preach. And you should give honor as well. That means that people see so much in our pastor that they're pulling on him and they want him to come and minister. So he is in Paducah, Kentucky right now with Pastor Henderson for his 30th um, church anniversary. Yes, his 30th church anniversary. And so he is preaching this Sunday morning. So we give you honor, Pastor. We give you honor to our first family in their absence. And so we are here on today. But there is a word from the Lord, a word from the Lord. So as it is our custom, if you'll please stand for the reading of God's word. You know, we're in our series of Nehemiah, and we're talking about that we've got work to do. We've got work to do. And, and I'm going to focus and have one scripture text to focus on, but we're going to be looking at Nehemiah 6. Nehemiah 6 and verse 15. Pull out your Bibles, pull out your phones. It may be, it'll be up on the screens as well. We're just going to look at one verse in Nehemiah 15, Nehemiah 6, verse 15. And it reads as followed, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation version. And it says, so on October 2nd, the wall was finished. On October 2nd, the wall was finished. Finished. For our title and topic today, our title is going to be simply, It is Finished. It is Finished. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, dear God, for what you're doing. We already sense your spirit moving in this atmosphere, dear God. And so we ask and I ask, dear God, you decrease me, dear God. Let my flesh die, dear God, that no one can see me but see you and see the cross, dear God. Bless my lips to speak your word, dear God. Bless the hearts of the hearers, dear God, to receive what you will say unto them on this day, Father God. We thank you for this. And it's in your precious son Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. It is finished. It is finished. 
if we're looking back at this and we've been journeying on through this series in Nehemiah talking about we've got work to do and we remember that Nehemiah was called he was called to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem to be rebuild not the temple but the walls in Jerusalem and he's been working towards that path and that progress but in doing that he has faced many trials and many tests and we see here we pick back up in Nehemiah chapter 6 and Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 1 and 2 says this Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates so Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet me at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. And he says, but I realize that they were plotting to harm me. Nehemiah realized that there was a plot against them and that they were plotting to harm him. See, what we need to understand and what Nehemiah is showing us here is that Nehemiah had a key facet, a key spiritual gift that sadly is missing in the body of believers today. And I talked about this shameless plug. If you have not been tuning in on Bible studies on Wednesday nights, I'm kind of being getting known as the weeping prophet because I just be up there teaching and crying and teaching and crying but God be moving but we were talking about discernment 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 Nehemiah had discernment and what is discernment discernment can be defined as the ability to judge matters according to God's view of them and not according to the outward appearance. See, Nehemiah was able to look at Sambalat, Tobias, and Geshem and see that their invitation wasn't a friendly one and realizing that they were trying to harm him. I love what Pastor Chris Wesley defined discernment as, that discernment is the ability to look through mud and get a clear picture. See, we have to understand, we have to understand that in life as we're building and we're connecting Nehemiah, yes, we're building in the church, but you're also building in your personal life. You're also building at home that God has a work for you to do in your life that he's trying to equip and build you up, but we lack the ability to see clearly. Oh, see, you don't believe me? Then sometimes you may just have to look back at your life and when you realize that you keep going back to that toxic relationship. Oh, I'm not talking about you and don't look down your road at your neighbor, but somebody else, you see them, you know them, they keep going back to that toxic relationship or why do you stay at your job when you know you are not valued when you know they don't see your worth or maybe people just keep talking to you crazy and keep running over you and using and abusing you and it may be that we lack the discernment in our lives to see how the enemy is setting traps for us but Nehemiah knew this and he understood and he discerned the situation. See, Nehemiah understood that he was not going to be delayed in building. He was not going to be delayed in the assignment that God had for his life. See, you have to know, you have to believe, you have to trust that when God has a call on your life, God is calling you to build a thing and the enemy cannot, should not be able to distract you from the assignment and the call that God has had on your life. See, when we look at the text, we see that here. They asked him to meet him at a plane called Ono. And as I'm reading that, the Lord will drop some things in my mind and it will, it will bother me and I have to look 
look at it and I have to study it. So I had to pull out a map. And I looked on the map and I saw where this place called Ono was. And in Nehemiah 7, it actually talks about it, that it was a valley of Ono, the valley of Ono. When I started thinking about that, a valley has mountains on both sides, meaning that there's no room for escape, meaning that they were bringing him to a place where they could attack him, where he wouldn't be able to escape, where he'll be stuck in the valley. But I'm grateful that Nehemiah had discernment. And I'm grateful for the word of God because as we talked about in Bible study, one of the keys to growing in discernment is having the word of God in your life. When we look at Hebrews 4 and 12, it says this, for the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and catch this, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God helps build our discernment. Preacher, what are you trying to say then? Well, what I'm trying to let you know, and let me give you a little Bible study in Sunday school if you missed it this morning. We need to have God's word in our heart to grow our discernment, right? But Nehemiah, now we look in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, then Nehemiah. Nehemiah comes before the book Psalms. It does. It may make you think that Nehemiah was written before Psalms, but honestly, it wasn't. Psalms was written way before Nehemiah. What are you trying to say? Nehemiah knew that they were trying to bring him to the valley of Ono, but in my sanctified imagination, I had to recall that Nehemiah read the words of Psalm. And in Psalms 23, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, my rod and my staff, they comfort me. See, you missed it, but saints of God, I'm trying to let you know that the enemy tries to stop your progress by dragging you through the valley. See, I need you to know that the valley of shadow of death may be there to cause you to be afraid, but you don't have to be afraid of the valley because your discernment can lead you through the valley. Oh, you still don't get it. See, the saints used to sing a hymn, walk in the light, the beautiful light. Come where the dew drops of mercy shine bright. Shine all around me by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. What happens when you're going through the valley of shadow of death? You have to see the light. You have to see that Jesus will bring you through the light. That having his word in your heart will help you be able to navigate the traps of the enemy. See, Nehemiah discerned that what would have been his valley of death, and he was able to avoid it because he knew that the word of God was the thing that was going to help him see and navigate through life. I love his response in chapter 3. He responds to this invitation from Samballot. And he simply says, I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. And he tells them, why should I stop working and come and meet with you? See, what Nehemiah knew is that he understood his assignment. 
We see that the enemy is coming. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. But I hear the words of Paul in Philippians 1 and 6, and he says, being confident in this very thing, but he that would gun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He had this God confidence. I have a question for you today, Hopewell. Where is your confidence? Where is your faith to know that when the enemy comes to distract, you can be able to have the confidence to know that nothing can stop what God has called you to do in your life. As I stand here today with breath in my lungs and blood in my body, I know for certain that God has called me to preach the gospel, that God has called me to preach the good news. So I don't stand here as flesh, but I stand here in the power of God on my side we have to be like Nehemiah and as we're building and realizing that we have work to do we have work to do so I can't come down from where I at to be bothered by the enemy when it's just his words I can't stop building to be bothered by the enemy with what he does again I love songs I love music the song says I just can't give up now I've come too far from where I started from Nobody told me, nobody told me that the road would be easy. But I don't believe, God, that you brought me this far to leave me. When the enemy comes in our lives, we have to stand still and know that God is on our side. We have to have the confidence to know that God is on our side. I have to even make up a word. It's not even confidence. It's the confidence to know that God is on my side. My family is too important. My job is too important. My kids is too important. My calling is too important. My marriage is too important. I won't stop what God has called me to do because we've got work to do. We've got work to do we see here in this text though we can also be confident of this thing that while we are working the enemy is still busy the enemy is still moving you could call him your haters you could call him the opposition you could call him your ops whatever you want to know just know that the enemy is still busy we see here that Sam Ballot didn't stop with that one invitation he sent the second one then he sent a third one. Then he sent a fourth one. Isn't it just like the enemy to be like a fly and just keep buzzing around and keep irritating you and keep bothering you and keep challenging you? But we see here that Nehemiah is still pushing forward the fifth time. Now Sam Ballot, I believe if Facebook was back then, this would be like Sam Ballot putting up a post and tagging Nehemiah in the post so everybody could see that he was coming for Nehemiah. And he writes Nehemiah an open letter that everyone can see now. And in this open letter, we see that Nehemiah, yet again, responding back. And I love his response. This is in the NIV. And Nehemiah says this in verse 8. I sent him this reply after the letter that attacks Nehemiah and is coming for his integrity, that is coming for his character. Nehemiah says this, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up 
in your head. See, what we have to understand is sometimes the enemy won't try to attack you physically, but he'll try to attack your character. He will try to assassinate what you stand for. He will try to assassinate who you are and have people talk about, well, who does she think she is just because she got that new job? Who does he think he is just because he got that new car? And we can't let the lies of the enemy distract us from the truth of God's word. What has God said over your life? We talked about it over the promises of Abraham, how God gave Abraham a promise over his life, saying that he would be the father of many nations. And Abraham stood firm on the promise of God, even to the point of having his son on an altar, ready to sacrifice and kill him. But because he believed God, he knew somehow, some way that God was going to to make a way while we are working and building can you have the faith to know that God is going to make a way that God is going to make a way that somehow some way he's going to show up so that way the lies of the enemy don't distract us but the confidence in God's word will push us forward he goes on to say in verse 9 they were all trying to frighten us Thinking, frighten us. Oh, I got to stop right there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Frighten us. I, I, I loved when my kids was growing up, and they would tell me, Dad, it's dark, and I'm afraid. Dad, it's dark, and I'm afraid. And I would tell them, well, what are you afraid of? The dark is just the absence of light, but everything is still in its same place in the same order. I could turn on the light. Your bed didn't move. Nothing came in or out. So I let them know, have a confidence that the darkness should not bring you fear because that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to bring us fear. Mother Algie's teaching a class, fear over faith, faith over fear, faith over fear. Do you understand that the things that scare you, well, I don't know if I could go back to school. I don't know if I could get that job. I don't know if God can save my marriage. That is the enemy planting seeds of fear in your life. What does fear stand for? Fear can stand for false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Faith is basically believing in something that you can't see. Well, oh my gosh, what is faith? Faith is simply making the choice to believe in something I can't see. So why will I choose fear? Why wouldn't I choose faith? I'm going to believe that God is going to do a thing instead of fear that I can't do a thing because with God all things are possible but the enemy wants you to believe that he can't do it why because you don't have your word the word in you so we have to have the word in you but not only that Nehemiah shows us something Elder James and I love you because she personifies this for hope but Nehemiah shows us not only the word we have to have in us but we also have to pray he says they are trying to frighten us thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and will not be completed but Nehemiah prayed and he said now strengthen my hands strengthen my hands it made me to start to think okay god in some areas we may be weak i don't know about y'all but it's a thing i think it's just where me and pastor share we love food okay we love food and i don't know if you ever had that good piece of lasagna you know the lasagna grandma big mama made it so cheesy it's so meaty it's so good but when you try to reheat lasagna it's usually cold in the middle ain't it 
And you get mad because you're getting ready to eat it, but it's cold in the middle. But you put it on that paper plate and you put it on three minutes, and next thing you know, that plate just starts to fold up. It starts to melt and bend. And I get irritated. I'm like, oh, I just want to eat my lasagna. What I'm realizing is, is what happened was I made the mistake of putting the lasagna on something that wasn't strengthened. See, what I had to realize is if I put it on a plate, if I put it in a glass dish, now that thing is strengthened. It reminded me of Nehemiah. He realized, God, I've got work to do. God, I have an assignment. But if I try to do this assignment without your strength, if I try to do this work without your help, God, I cannot make it. I can't wake up every day and go to work and be with those people without your help. God, I can't deal with these kids every day without your help. God, I can't go to my job every day without your help. So sometimes we have to get like Nehemiah and say, God, strengthen my hands. We need to activate the power of prayer in our lives to know that no matter what I'm going through, if I soak it in prayer, oh man, I got some chicken at home. That chicken is sitting in the bag. But guess what I did before that chicken? Oh, I put a little seasoning in there. I put a little herbs. I ain't going to give you my secret recipe now. But I put all these special spices in there. And what is that chicken doing? Oh, it's marinating. That chicken is getting good. So that when it comes time to cook it, oh, it's going to be delicious. What we have to do with prayer is marinate our lives. And we marinate our lives in prayer and say God I need you to cover my mind God I need you to cover my body God I need you to cover my family so that when the enemy comes and attacks us now we are strengthened and able to do the work that God has called us to do see Nehemiah didn't fold under the pressure not once, not twice, not three times, four times, five times, just in this chapter alone. They were coming for him. He didn't fold under pressure. But catch this, the pressure pushed him to pray. The pressure pushed him down on his knees in prayer. The pressure didn't fold him. You wondering why you may be a stress and a mess, hair falling out and you're going great. Could it be that the pressure should have pushed you to prayer? To prayer. Look, I told myself we ain't gonna be here long. I'm gonna get you out of this past so you can get to that good old brunch, that good old fried chicken, go down to Giant City. If you haven't been to Giant City, college students, I'm gonna give you a nugget. Go to Giant City. You will swear that someone's grandma back there from Mississippi is frying that chicken. Let me put a parenthetical pause. Baby you may need to go to Giant City today. I don't know. Let's see what the Lord has said. But as I wrap things up, we go back. To our main text, the main text in Nehemiah 6 and 15. Now we get to this point. And yet again, I, I jumped over a few verses, but even then, ah, this is a little nugget. Nehemiah was challenged by somebody in the church, <laughs> by somebody who called himself a priest and tried to get him to go to the temple, which would have been a crime in that day to, see safe, to seek safety. But he avoided that test as well. But we see here in Nehemiah 15. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. Now, if you have a King James Version, it may say it refers to the month of Nisan, and it refers to other different months, which was part of the calendar back then. But if you break it down, he completed the work in just 52 days. It, it, see, y'all missed y'all shout, but I, I'll bring it back to you. Let's start back in the beginning. Nehemiah 1. 
he gets word that Jerusalem is in shambles. The walls are destroyed. He prays for four months. Now, what is that thing that you've been asking God for over and over again? You've got to realize we've got work to do. He goes to the king and he receives favor, but he understands we still got work to do. He travels for one month with favor and protection, but he understands that there's still work to do. He gets to Jerusalem, and he is threatened over and over. His life is on the line, but the work continues. So just in the span of less than five months, he completes the assignment. See, you just missed it. He only took him 52 days to complete the assignment that God has called him to do. 52 days to build the walls. 52 days to complete the work. And I came here to to tell you that Nehemiah basically said one thing. He said that it is finished. It is finished. If you could have enough faith to believe God that your labor is not in vain. I wonder how many people could stand to their feet and shout, it is finished. If you believe that God can turn that thing around in your life, you could shout it is finished. I need the confident believer to shout loud and say that in 52 days, God, you could turn my situation around. It is finished. It is finished. But hold on one second. Stay right there. God had to connect the dots for me, and he showed me something. I need to give you a backstory. 18 years, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I like to shout and dance. But for 19 years, I've been in a Baptist church. So I don't mind. If you don't mind, I'm going to pull the Baptist out in just a little bit. Because what you have to realize is that Nehemiah was showing me something about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, what we have to see, that Jesus Christ was persecuted. Jesus Christ was abused, and they killed him and put him on a cross. See, one Friday morning, he died on Calvary. They nailed his hands. They pierced him in his side. They placed a crown of thorns on his head, and he uttered these words on Calvary. And he said, it is finished. But that's not the end, y'all. See, he still had a work to do. So, after they hung and they stretched him wide. He buried him and put him in Joseph's tomb. How many of y'all know that it still wasn't finished yet? See, because Friday, it was dark. Saturday, it was dark. And it may be dark in your life too, but I need you to know that late in the midnight hour that he understood that his job wasn't done. He went down to hell and he got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. But I came to tell y'all that early... I said early on Sunday morning, he rose with all power in his hands and he completed his assignment. The work was done and Jesus said, it is finished. If you believe that God has got you on assignment, if you believe that the work is done, I need you to holler with all the Holy Ghost you got. It is finished. Whatever you're going through in your life, you need to know and believe that just like Nehemiah, in 52 days, he could finish the work. What does that mean? That thing you're believing God for before this year is done. If you've been soaking it in prayer, though, if you've been faithful in this word, that God can do it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I need you to seal that thing with a shout. I need you to seal that thing with a praise. I need you to say, Father, I believe your word. I need you to go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and create 
your own personal altar and let the devil know. Let the enemy know that it is finished. It is finished. Pull out your phone and text that joker. It is finished. Right on that bill that's passed too. It is finished. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. Because Jesus paid it all. The blood he shed on Calvary, it has redeemed us. It has saved us. And it is pushing us forward. Saints, we've got work to do. But do you know that the end has already been told? In the end, we win. So why are you worrying? Why are you fearful? Why are you complaining? Why are you crying? God has already done that thing, but he's looking for the believers to stand firm, to be still, and to know that he is God. We have to take the lessons of Nehemiah and know that it is finished. I need you to walk from this service on today. And whenever you see the tests and trials in life come up, I need you to just tell it, it is finished. It is finished. Devil, you can't have your way. Devil, you can't have your life. Devil, you can't have my mind. Devil, you can't have my finances. God, I believe that I could be in the middle of Walmart and I just feel something itch on the inside and I will holler, it is finished. I could be on my job and I may say, I need a 15-minute bathroom break, but it's really going to be a 15-minute praise party in your car where you're thanking God. God, I know I can't see it. God, I know I may not feel it, but I believe just like Nehemiah in just a little while. If I could hold on a little while longer. God, if I could hold to your unchanging hand. God, you're going to do a great work in my life. I'm sorry I can't let this thing go because I need you to take this fire with you. I need you to take this energy with you. And know that if we are able to stand as a body of believers, please know hope what we've got work to do. God has so much more in store. That where we can have the faith and say, God, we could be a debt-free church. Where we can have the faith and say, God, we could walk around our schools because we're believing, God, no more school shootings. Nothing will happen and touch our kids here. We will be an academic success in this area, that our kids will be fruitful. God, even in my job, in my life, we need to stand and believe that God can. That God can. Ah. I'm looking for the day where we are of one mind, of one accord, and we stand firm and believe, just like we've done before with baby Everly. We stood strong and believed. I saw her yesterday in the store. She said, come here, give me a hug. I'm like, do you know that I'm hugging a miracle? Do you know that I'm loving on a miracle? Because we stand firm and we said, God, you have done a thing. We have so many testimonies of the power of God in our lives but he wants to do more he wants to show up more but we've got work to do we need to stand behind our pastor we need to find a place where we could serve like Nehemiah said he called everyone up and oh we're about to close this out next week pastor is preaching the message one that's going to push us forward and push us higher and bring this whole thing to it. We thought it was done here in chapter 6 that it is finished. But God still had a work to do. <laughs> but to give you a little preview, the work required him calling the people together. And the people had to come and 
consecrate themselves before God. And at the very reading of the word of God, the people wept. And at that moment, they were convicted. At that moment, they were challenged because they realized, God, there's so much more that you're calling us for to. There's so much more that we got to do. We limit God and his power. We limit God and his might when we don't realize that he wants to take us higher. I don't apologize for it. I get emotional. I get passionate because my desire as a minister is to see God's people reach him, to see God's people get closer to him. So I will challenge you. I will push you. I will model before you. I will speak our pastor's heart and say that we've got work to do, whether it's small groups, whether it's serving, but simply more than that, sharing the gospel of what God has done in your life with someone else, duplicating and making Christ available to all. We've got work to do. And I'm so grateful to be in a place called Hopewell. I'm so grateful to be here and to know that God is doing a great work. And there's no better time while God is here to offer and extend the invitation that if you have been, as we affectionately call, dating us, and you may even be online on, on Facebook or YouTube, and you say, you know what, we have people that are connected to the world that don't even live here. But if you want to join yourself to this place called Hopo, because God is doing a thing, and he's building a thing, in a few moments, I'm going to offer the invitation for you to come. But I also want to offer an invitation for prayer. That as Nehemiah soaked that thing in prayer, that you may be needing prayer. And I want to let you know that since God is here, prayer is available. We will pray with you, we will pray for you, and we will keep praying with you and keep praying for you. So if anyone, online or in person, needs any prayer, needs prayer, please inbox us online. If you need prayer in the house, please come to the altar. But if you need, if you want to join with us, if you've been coming and say, I want to know about this place called Hopa, we invite you to come into fellowship with us because we're building something. So at this time, you know what we're doing. We're clapping in the spirit of expectation. If there is one, if you desire prayer, I'll put my mask on. I'll come down and pray with you. If you're online, please inbox us. If you're here and you're saying, I've been visiting for a while and I want to join, come at this time. Come at this time. Hey, guess what? Keep clapping because we there may be no one that may be coming today, but we're still clapping in expectation and saying, God, it is finished. God, it is finished. That means there's coming. Oh, there's one. We've got one. Come on. Keep clapping. God is doing the work. God is doing the work. God is doing the work. You may be online. I need you to clap online as well. I need you to have the spirit of expectation. Let me grab my mask as God is doing a great thing. They sing the songs that come with the dewdrops of mercy shine bright. Jesus the light. They are coming because they see Jesus the light. Jesus the light of the world. Sing that song a little bit. 